0: Very kind. Thank you, sir. Welcome, everybody, in here, out there, all around the world. A welcome to the Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am back, baby. COVID. Come on. Two times. Mm-hmm. COVID's not keeping this guy down more than twice. Here's what happened: Had COVID, got over COVID, then COVID staged a gritty reboot in my lungs. But I'm back, and I'm happy to be back. <laughs> miss these, I uh, miss these lovely people. Miss y'all. And while I am happy to be back, I am sad to say that, as you know, the number one story today is not only tragic, it is tragically common because. The attack in Buffalo this weekend is not the first overtly racist mass shooting this country has witnessed in recent years. It's a truly horrific crime. And of course our hearts are with the victims and their families and their community. In this case, a predominantly black neighborhood that the suspect targeted after spelling out his motivations clearly in an online rant where he referred to something called replacement theory. A WHITE SUPREMACIST CONSPIRACY BASED ON THE IDEA THAT WHITE PEOPLE WILL BE REPLACED BY PEOPLE OF COLOR. OBVIOUSLY, THAT IS RACIST AND HATEFUL AND CRAZY. ALSO, IF YOU THINK WHITE PEOPLE ARE BEING REPLACED, THEN WHO'S SHOPPING AT VINEYARD VINES? (laughs) IT'S A QUALITY PRODUCT. DON'T GET ME WRONG. SO WHERE DOES ANYONE GET AN IDEA THAT monstrous? WELL, IT USED TO BE ONLY FROM THE FARTHEST RIGHT-WING FRINGE ORGANIZATIONS, YOUR STORMFRONTS, YOUR NEO-NAZIS. BUT THESE DAYS, YOU CAN SEE IT EVERY NIGHT ON TV, THANKS TO FOX NEWS HOST AND deer caught MASTURBATING IN THE HEADLIGHTS, TUCKER CARLSON. <laughs> ACCORDING TO THE NEW YORK TIMES, REPLACEMENT THEORY IS A CENTRAL THEME ON TUCKER'S SHOW. THEIR INVESTIGATION FOUND THAT HIS PRODUCER SOMETIMES SCOURED HIS SHOW'S RAW MATERIAL FROM THE SAME DARK CORNERS OF THE INTERNET THAT THE BUFFALO SUSPECT DID. NOW, THAT DOESN'T MEAN TUCKER'S RESPONSIBLE FOR WHAT HAPPENED, BUT I WOULD HOPE IT WOULD GIVE ANYONE PAUSE TO FIND OUT THAT THEIR BROWSER HISTORY MATCHES THAT OF A MASS MURDERER. IF I FOUND OUT THAT JEFFREY Dahmer WAS REALLY INTO THE LORD OF THE RINGS, I MIGHT SWITCH OVER TO THE NARNIA STUFF. <laughs> OKAY, LET'S GO VISIT LION JESUS. <laughs> NOW, ALTHOUGH IT SOUNDS CRAZY, I- AND I CAN'T BELIEVE I'M SAYING THIS, RECENT polls show THAT 50% OF REPUBLICANS agree with this garbage. And not just because it's being mainstreamed by Fox News, but because it's being mainstreamed by high-ranking Republican officials like GOP conference chair and judge making a toddler cry at the talent show, (laughs) Elise Stefanik. In a series of Facebook ads just last year, Stefanik's campaign claimed that radical Democrats' plan to grant amnesty to 11 million illegal immigrants will overthrow our current electorate and create a permanent liberal majority in Washington. Oh, and you know what those liberals will do with their powerful permanent majority? Beg Joe Manchin for paid family leave, then he doesn't vote for it, say, oh, okay then, is there something else we could do for you? What if we fed coal directly to dolphins? <laughs> so that's, that's terrible, terrible news. But here's something I don't get to say a lot. There's actually good news from Eastern Europe. BECAUSE OVER THE WEEKEND, UKRAINE WON THE EUROVISION SONG CONTEST. YEAH. Yeah. SLAVA Slava UKRAINE, WHICH I BELIEVE MEANS, SUCK IT, PUTIN, BECAUSE (laughs) RUSSIA WAS BANNED FROM EUROVISION. BIG BUMMER FOR RUSSIA'S TOP RAPPER, MEGAN THE POTATO. (laughs) THE WINNING ENTRY WAS A SONG FROM THE UKRAINIAN BAND, Kalush Orchestra. Let's see the winners in action. Come on! Come on! Bringing it. He's got a vibe. THAT IS MY FAVORITE KIND OF, I WANT TO SAY, FOLK RAP EDM FLUTE-BASED HOBBIT ROCK. <laughs> I WAS SO INSPIRED THAT TODAY, THIS IS TRUE, I, I, I SENT SOME PEOPLE OUT TO BUY THAT YARD-LONG ONE-HITTER THE GUY IS WORKING <laughs> AT THE MIC, WHICH I NOW KNOW IS CALLED, DO you HAVE THIS HERE? IT'S NOW CALLED A tlenka. Uh THAT'S A HOT SOUND. HOT SOUND. YOU GOT IT? THAT'S A HOT SOUND. Lewis, PLAY ME IN. <laughs> Has Russia surrendered yet? <laughs> the winning song is called Stefania and was written about the front man's mother, really raising the bar for children everywhere. Those nice boys from Ukraine did a whole award winning song about their mom in the middle of a war. You won't even reply to my emails. I sent you 10 minion memes. I haven't gotten so much as a lol. It's a rough time for new parents right now because nationwide 40% of baby formula is out of stock. Luckily for parents, liquor stores still fully stocked. <laughs> the um the, uh... Thank you. Rhythm's gonna get you. The Junior Juice, the Junior Juice is in such short supply that recently a three-pack of baby formula sold for two hundred and thirty-eight dollars on eBay. That sounds like a lot, but it was signed by Hank Aaron. <laughs> Thanks to the shortage, some desperate parents are even trying homemade baby formula recipes. Oh great, now everyone's brother-in-law is gonna be pushing their homebrew formula. Hey little guy, try this one. It's uh, <coughs> it's pretty good. It's a Fontenelle IPA. It's got a. Notes of pumpkin. It's hoppy, but it's drinkable. <laughs> Come down to the basement, help me bottle it. To address the problem, the Biden administration has announced that they will increase imports of formula and crack down on formula price gouging. And Senator Kirsten Gillibrand has said she will ask President Biden to consider using the Defense Production Act. Yes, it is a full mobilization, explains this recruiting poster. Iowa Baba.
1: REPUBLICANS,
0: HOW DOES HE MAKE IT MAKE THOSE SOUNDS? (laughs) REPUBLICANS HAVE A SLIGHTLY DIFFERENT PLAN IN MIND. LET IMMIGRANT BABIES GO HUNGRY, BECAUSE WHEN THEY'RE IN U.S. CUSTODY, OUR GOVERNMENT RIGHTLY IS RESPONSIBLE FOR FEEDING THESE MIGRANT CHILDREN, SO THEY GIVE THEM FORMULA. AND TO TRY TO PROVE THAT THIS CRISIS IS BECAUSE THE GOVERNMENT IS HOARDING INFANT FORMULA AT THE BORDER, REPUBLICAN REPRESENTATIVE Kat CAMRACK SHARED THIS PHOTO ON FOX NEWS, WHICH CNN FACT CHECKED AND FOUND TO BE POWDERED MILK. SIMPLE MISTAKE, THEY'RE BOTH WHITE POWDER. ALSO EXPLAINS THIS FOX NEWS HEADLINE, DRUG LORDS HOARDING AMERICA'S PANCAKE MIX. (laughs) NOW, WITH FORMULA... (laughs) With formula running out, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Steve, just order those babies some pizza. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's also a shortage of pizza delivery drivers. (laughs) Oh, no! We won't be able to get pizza! Or Papa John's! (laughs) I... (laughs) I'm shocked about the driver shortage. From what I have seen, the Internet is full of pizza guy recruitment videos. And even if the female customer doesn't have cash on hand, apparently the job is very rewarding. (laughs) Plus tips. Sometimes just the tip. But okay. Okay. Grow up. We're all adults here. But, okay, no formula, no delivery drivers. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Steve, I'll just have the baby pizzas delivered by airplane. Great idea. But I'm sorry to say there's also a severe pilot shortage in the U.S. <laughs> oh, no! no! Now who's going to tell the flight attendants to prepare for cross-check? <laughs> what will happen to all those unchecked crosses? I, I don't think the plane will be allowed to land. We'll just keep... The reason for the shortage, the reason... <laughs> THE REASON FOR THE SHORTAGE IS THAT DURING THE PANDEMIC, TRAVEL SLOWED DOWN, A BUNCH OF PILOTS RETIRED, AND NOW AIRLINES ARE RETHINKING TRAINING PROGRAMS TO LOWER THE BARRIER TO ENTRY. <laughs> <laughs> SPECIFICALLY, ONE AIRLINE IS PROPOSING REDUCING FLIGHT HOUR REQUIREMENTS BEFORE JOINING A U.S. CARRIER. THAT'S PROBABLY GOING TO CHANGE SOME IN-FLIGHT ANNOUNCEMENTS. Uh, ATTENTION, PASTORS. It's your captain speaking. Everything is just uh, hunky dory up here. Quick question. When it comes to altitude, which would you say is better, big number or small number? <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. More Late Show Poncho show after this. MY FIRST GUEST IS FORMER DEFENSE SECRETARY OF MARK ESPER. HE'LL BE OUT HERE IN JUST A BIT. HE'S THE AUTHOR OF A NEW TELL-ALL BOOK CALLED A SACRED OATH. IT'S LOADED WITH DISTURBING REVELATIONS ABOUT THE REIGN OF FORMER PRESIDENT EL CREPITAN. <laughs> FOR INSTANCE, FORMER SECRETARY ESPER SAYS THAT THE FORMER PRESIDENT PROPOSED LAUNCHING MISSILES INTO MEXICO TO DESTROY THE DRUG LABS. I DON'T KNOW WHY HE WOULD DO THAT. Considering that most of the drugs are already safely stored here. <laughs> now, after Esper pointed out that the missile launch would be an act of war against an ally, the former president explained, We could just shoot some Patriot missiles and take out the labs quietly, adding, No one would know it was us. He would simply deny we had launched them. Yes! HE JUST PLANNED TO DENY THAT THOSE EXPLODING METAL TUBES WITH U.S.A. ON THE SIDE <laughs> CAME FROM US. HE WOULD JUST SAY, the Mex- TELL THE MEXICANS THEY WERE SENT BY SUSAN. ESPER'S BOOK HERE ALSO SAYS THAT ON MULTIPLE OCCASIONS, THE PRESIDENT COMPLAINED THAT THE U.S. NAVY SHIPS LOOK UGLY. Okay. That sounds weird, but it does explain why the USS Carl Vinson got a boob job. <laughs> Esper also reveals that the former president wasn't the only one with the cray cray ideas. There are also plenty from former presidential advisor and zit with a dark secret, <laughs> Stephen Miller. Esper says that during the raid that killed Islamic State leader Abu Bakhtar al Baghdadi, Miller proposed securing al-Baghdadi's head, dipping it in pig's blood, and parading it around to warn other terrorists. When Esper pointed out that that would be a war crime, Miller replied, then what am I supposed to do with all this pig's blood? (laughs) Esper went on 60 Minutes, where he revealed that Miller also lobbied the former president to send a quarter of a million U.S. troops to the border.
1: We're in a meeting waiting for the president to come out. We're standing around the Resolute desk. And uh, he's behind me, and this voice just starts talking about uh, caravans are coming, and, and we need to get troops to the border, and uh, we need a quarter million troops. And I think he's joking. And then I turn around and I look at him, and he's in these deadpan eyes. It's clearly he is not joking.
0: That's because Stephen Miller does not joke. <laughs> Why did the chicken cross the road? To steal my pig's blood. What's black and white and red all over? A newspaper dipped in my pig's blood.
1: Coming up, Secretary Mark Asper.
0: My first guest tonight spent 21 years in the military and served as the 27th Secretary of Defense. He's now written a memoir called A Sacred Oath. Please welcome to The Late Show, Secretary Mark Esper. <laughs> Secretary, thanks for coming on. I was supposed to have you on uh, last week when I got my second bout of COVID. Thanks for for Boomerang. Yeah,
1: you're a super spreader, aren't you?
0: I am, I am, I am. <laughs> now, uh, the new book is called uh, A Sacred Oath. I want to get into what that actual sacred oath right. is in, in just a bit. But first, I want to ask you about the former president uh, who you served under. He often said that he knew more about the military than any of the generals, maybe more than anybody of all time. As a uh, secretary of defense and a West Point graduate, what was your assessment of the former president's military knowledge? Uh, I thought you were going to ask hard questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the answer would be no. Uh-huh. He, does, he does not know more than the generals and admirals. Does he know more, more than, n- more say, than most an
0: average person on the street? I don't know.
1: I don't know. Probably not. I don't you served him. You don't. At this think... point, he probably does.
0: Okay. Oh, because because he, got, he served four he years. Got in office. secret right. stuff like that. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Um, there are many examples in the book here of the president demanding loyalty uh, to himself as opposed to the Constitution. Right. Uh, same sort of thing that Jim Jim Comey talks about mm-hmm. in his book. Um, People feared that he might use the military as a a distraction um, or even to use the military to intervene with the election. Mm -hmm. Were those fears grounded?
1: Did you you share those fears? I I had concerns, certainly beginning in the summer of 2020, after June 1st, that at some point there may be that inclination to use the military to seize ballot boxes to... Uh, but
0: I stop you there. You said, you know, that inclination, as if that inclination would occur to anybody, <laughs> it's a dire and traitorous inclination, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and no, it, it would be violating one secret, sacred oath to the Constitution, the one that all it. elected officials take. It would be... Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Okay. And so what did you do in response to that perceived threat? Well, you know, I, I, what I tried to be is to is remain in the position to be a circuit breaker in case... You know, ideas with regard to employing the military against other countries, or in the case of domestic disturbance, deploying troops to Seattle or Portland, which became which began the push became the push in in uh, July and August of that month. But then, as we got closer in the final days leading up to the election, I think it was the last Friday in October, I had to call uh, my head of the National Guard in and the Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff and have this private discussion and say, "Listen, in, in the days uh, on election day or the days following, if you get any type of call from the White House," notify me immediately so I can intercede if that's what it took to uh, to prevent anything bad from happening, if you will. So you would say you're, we're not going to send troops in to seize the ballots. No. Uh, with the, well, I mean, the president yeah. might have ordered that. We, we, we learned from your book that that was a consideration. Right. So and, and that's why the position of secretary of defense is so important, because the only two people in the United States that can deploy troops are the president and the secretary of defense. So it was critical for me to be in that position to be the circuit breaker in case somebody wanted to do something, whether it was deploy troops to suppress protesters or deploy troops to, you know, to grab a ballot box, whatever the case may be. And, of course, we learn in December, I'm out of office now over a month, that people would come to the White House and propose this in in late December of 2020. And this eventually becomes the reason why myself and nine other former secretaries of defense write this note on on January 3rd, 2021, warning the Pentagon to follow your oath, uh, do not get involved in the election. So, why are you gone at that point? Why are you, are you, do you resign or are you fired? I got fired November 9th.
0: Um, I was told through his. What did his you do? <laughs> <laughs> He's a
1: reasonable guy. What did you do? I, I followed my oath. Okay, uh, okay. So, I, yeah, I get the call from Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, around 10 to 1. And he says, Look, uh, you're being <clears throat> replaced. Uh, you, uh, you haven't been sufficiently loyal. And Again, I, to the president. To of the president, of the president right. And, and, I, and I respond. Uh, that's his prerogative, but my oath is to the Constitution, not to him.
0: So it's a weird, it's a weird position to be in, and and, and I want to get to in just a little while. And people have, have criticized you for not telling us this before, right. and I've heard some of your answers on sure. that, and I understand some of the rationale. But before we get to that, I want to ask what it is like for you as a, as, a, as a military man, as a West Point graduate. Is there a class they teach at West Point on how to protect the country from the commander-in-chief? <laughs>
1: and if not, and I mean this seriously, yeah. do you think there should be a class from this moment forward? You know, I, I took my first oath, as I described in a book, on, uh, in July 1982 when I became a cadet at West Point, Right, my first of a dozen oaths. And during my time in service, I served on active duty for 10 years and war and all that. You know, I never really had to consider the oath and what it means. And I never had to consider really deeply duty, honor, country, which, are the, which is the motto of the academy. And it wasn't until this job where I reached the point that day in and day out, I'm asking myself, what is my duty? What's my oath? What's, what does it mean to put the country first? And the conundrum here is that if you, when you swear that oath to the Constitution... The Constitution also says, by the way, there's this thing called Article Two, which means there is a Commander-in-Chief, and you have to obey his lawful orders. And fortunately, President Trump rarely gave orders. And so, what do you mean rarely, rarely he, he gave rarely orders. gave direct orders? What would he do? How would you know what he you're suggests? Supposed to do? He muses, he he rants, and hopes people will pick up on it and run with it.
0: Kind of like a mafia don going, "I'd hate to see something terrible happen to that guy." <laughs> <laughs> that 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 kind of thing, like a suggestion.
1: <laughs> Will no one rid me of this meddlesome monk kind of behavior? (laughs) And and I describe that. that So fortunately, it gives somebody like me the chance to really think about my oath and what's the right thing for the country. Because as I say, your oath isn't to the president. It's not to a party. It's not to a philosophy. It's to the Constitution and, by extension, the American people. We have to take a quick break. uh, But when we come back, I will ask the former secretary
0: why he felt he couldn't tell us what was going on inside the White House. Stick around. (laughs) WE'RE HERE WITH THE AUTHOR OF A SACRED OATH, FORMER SECRETARY OF DEFENSE, MARK ESPER. Um, OKAY, YOU DESCRIBE OVAL OFFICE MEETINGS THAT WERE QUOTE, A MELEE OF BAD IDEAS PUSHED AND SUPPORTED BY HIS WHITE HOUSE sycoph- sycophants. WHOSE INFLUENCE WAS MOST DANGEROUS IN YOUR OPINION?
1: WELL, you already, uh, uh, YOU ALREADY DESCRIBED STEPHEN MILLER WHO PROPOSED THESE OUTLANDISH IDEAS AND YOU TALK ABOUT you know, the, THE IDEA OF DEPLOYING A QUARTER MILLION TROOPS TO THE BORDER TO DEAL WITH THE CARAVANS which was just absurd, right, to consider that. But there were, you know, other things as well that he would propose at times where he would gin the president up. And we're having these discussions from June, July, August of 2020, talking about uh, the unrest in Portland, Seattle, elsewhere. He would keep talking about, like, an American dystopia where cities are burning down and mayhem is ruling. And, and uh, to his credit, General Mark Milley would point out he carried these facts and statistics around. Where he'd say, look, there's only this many cities and it's a minority of protests, et cetera, et cetera. Let's not make this worse. And it, uh, Millie and Attorney General Bill Barr actually became very good partners to me in terms of pushing back on these ideas to say, no, 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 look, this is a law enforcement issue. Let law enforcement, particularly state and local, do, deal with it. And, and don't get the military involved. This is not the place for the military.
0: You don't have to be in the administration to smell the crazy coming off of Stephen Miller. It, you can see it a mile away. Are you surprised that that guy specifically, I mean, guys like that, but let's just go with that guy specifically, who was so redolently crazy and poorly informed and just balls-out racist, would still get jobs right now. He is working for David McCormick's campaign in Pennsylvania, a supposedly reasonable Republican who hired him in order to get Trump's endorsement but then didn't get it, and yet Stephen Miller is still sucking on the GOP political gravy because no one has the courage to put these guys out to pasture. Does that shock you that people that you know are terrible
1: for America can still get jobs in mainstream political circles? I I don't get it. I don't understand it. You know, one of the things I've been talking about is how does the GOP, my party, I'm a Reagan Republican, kind of, how do we get this divorce from Donald Trump and those around him? Because, look, the, the challenge is President Trump pushed a lot of traditional Republican policies, right? Lower taxes, deregulation, conservative judges rebuild the military, strong border security, all good things. But a mannequin with an elephant
0: stapled to his chest right. could have gotten those but, same but, but policies goes too far that far,
1: Right. <laughs> so, so my message to Republicans is, to my fellow Republicans, is, look, there's a whole new generation of Republican candidates I hope will emerge after the midterms and run, and you can do it, you can get a person who puts, first of all, country over self, as compared to the prior president, and who will advance core Republican ideas and grow the base and bring the American people together. I've been saying the biggest threat facing our country today is not China. It's actually this extreme political partisanship that is really causing dysfunction in Washington, D.C., and we have to break this. I mean, you know how few Republicans in office there are like you. You're a
0: minority. It's it's strange how, how few people like you there are I'm not saying I'm not calling you a Republican politician, but certainly you support those policies. Thank, thanks for so, not insulting me. <laughs> there so, but there are so few people who have your opinion, or at least, we'll, it well, right at least we'll espouse it publicly Well, at least we'll
1: espouse it publicly. Okay. That's the
0: issue, right? Well, let's talk about, uh, you know, the question like my friend Jake Tapper asked you the other day, is that right. given that you knew all of this, why did you wait to put it in a book? Doesn't that seem like you're trying to sell books as opposed to protect the country? And let me say, even if I accept your answer to Jake, because I I watched the interview, that, and as you said today, you're a a break, a a, a, a circuit Circuit breaker. breaker. Circuit breaker. Circuit breaker. Somebody else put in there may not have made those pushbacks that you did. Right. What does that say to you about the state of our country that? It's just this one man in this position pushing back against the crazy and that you can't be truthful to the yeah. American people because the founders imagined that an informed public would save our country, not one guy, however well-meaning. Yeah.
1: Well, look, it wasn't just one person. It was the other members in the cabinet. The, the but you Pentagon... did
0: know all this stuff but felt you couldn't right, tell right. us. Right, right,
1: because, if, look, take it any point there in the, in, the, in, in the story, right, in 2020. If I'd come out, I would have been fired, which is the president's prerogative, and he probably should have fired me on the spot. But my rationale is if I'm not here to stop a quarter million troops to the border when the president proposes it in, prior to June 1st, who would be there when he wants to shoot mex- missiles into Mexico? And if I stand up then and speak out, who will be there to push back on June 1st when he wants to send 10,000 paratroopers into the streets of America? Or shoot the protesters in the lakes. Who and, shoot the, and who will be there to stop ven- the Venezuela talk in October? Who will be there... With the Iran... T- I mean, that was kind of my But where rationale. are we
0: as a country, in your opinion, if you can't tell us that? We deserve to know that to make our
1: choice. And I take the yeah, rationale, yeah. but where are we as a country if you yeah. can't tell us that? Look, it, it, it's a great question. And, I look, the opening pages, the first five pages, I talk about this dilemma. I wrestled with it. I talked to my wife, and my wife says, look, as, an, as your wife, please quit. But as an American, please stay. And I, I have to go so far as to contact... MY PREDECESSORS FROM BOTH PARTIES, I reach OUT TO COLIN POWELL, THE LATE GENERAL POWELL, and HE says, you GOT TO STAY BECAUSE I DON'T KNOW WHO THE PRESIDENT IS GOING TO PUT IN BEHIND ME, RIGHT? AND WE SEE WHAT HAPPENS ON NOVEMBER 9TH mm-hmm. WHEN I'M GONE AND THE PENTAGON IS DECAPITATED AND YOU GET THIS WHOLE CREW OF LOYALISTS THAT COMES INTO THE PENTAGON AND you, THESE THINGS START HAPPENING, RIGHT? ATTACK IRAN, WITHDRAW TROOPS FROM SOMALIA, IT GOES ON AND ON. AND FORTUNATELY, THEY ONLY HAD, AT THAT POINT, 60 DAYS. THINK IF THEY HAD EIGHT MONTHS.
0: The memoir is a sacred oath. It's available now. Secretary Esper, thank you so much for being here. This has been The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Pod Show, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 1135, 1035 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have, from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters, achieve your goals, with your personalized plan
1: and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.